Welcome in. We're officially teenagers now. Episode 13 of Wavelengths. Resident side pieces here. Oregon Duck Ethan Hartley is here. Got some NBA playoff talk to go around and discuss. Um, Ethan has a Philadelphia fandom that might be in the balance and in Doc Rivers' hands. So if you want to go off about that a little bit. I've spent all day thinking about what I'm going to say and what I'm not going to say. I've gone back and forth on whether I should just give up and caring or really just go balls deep and everything that went wrong throughout this game. Right now, I, I, I'm i in the seven stages of grief. I've kind of hit acceptance. I... It, but another part of me is just like I, I can't believe this this shit happened. Like whole day later, I'm I, I'm still just you know sitting on my couch, just wondering what the fuck happened. And uh, there, there there's so many things I could point out that went wrong. But Ben Simmons, oh my god, I'm gonna start. Oh my god, last four quarters. Just thinking about this stat just drives me insane. <laughs> Someone take a guess. How many shots this guy had in the last four fourth quarters in this series? Okay, so so I have no I, – I, I really have no idea. But if I were to guess, knowing Ben Simmons, I would hope it's – well, okay, I, I'll say 15 to 20. Oh. I'll get I'll get I'll guess I'll, I'll guess four maybe maybe three one that's it one shot he basically played an entire game you can see this fucking vein popping out of my head that's how, <laughs> that's how much this has driven me insane one shot in a Full game of fourth quarters, one shot. Are you? I, <laughs> what? What? What am well, I me, even supposed to say to that? Let me, I mean, that's that's so it's astronomically. That's your second best player, and he takes one fucking shot in the last four fourth quarters. I mean, you could <laughs> wait. Wait, let me. How? Let me. Let me ask this: Did he make it? Does it really matter? <laughs> Does it really fucking matter if he made if he made it or not? Does I'm it, trying to I'm trying to find if a it was a lining. fucking three pointer and he made it. Do you do you really think I would care? Do you really think I would give one fucking shit if it was a first three pointer he's ever taken in the fucking playoffs and he made it? Fuck no. You want to know what's even worse? In the last two games that they've blown the lead. He doesn't wake his ass up because guess what? He's taken zero shots in both of those fourth quarters. I mean, how fucking ridiculous can you fucking be? Like, you, where is he? Like, 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 where does he is? You just blown a lead and you don't think, oh, maybe I should be fucking aggressive that I should have done all fucking playoffs long. Nope. Nope. Doesn't think that at all. And then you got Tobias Harris who you're paying fucking $37 million to score four fucking points. I mean, holy shit. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I should just give up or like I should like still believe that this Atlanta team is young and 
they're hurt and Clint Capella can't do shit and that they could actually pull this off or should I really just sell on my stock in this year and just give up on this fucking franchise? Cause this was honestly the best chance we had. I mean, 2019 was a good year, but we had all the excuses that we could have used Jimmy Butler for half a year, Tobias Harris for a third of the year. And if we resigned those guys, we could go for a ring that didn't happen, but this year it's completely fucking different. And I, I, well, what do I even do? What is the entire city of Philadelphia even do at this point? Uh, Philadelphia is a trash city anyways. So like, they're probably just going to blow it up anyways. You're a fucking <laughs> Knicks fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let me, so let's, so let's, let's just, let's just calm down now. Let's, let's, let's no, let's, I, I like this. See, like you know, it took me a long time to get mad on here. Ethan's been here like four times and he's found that world perfectly. It's that, it's that Philadelphia pride. So I, I've, I've harped on him for years. I think it was 2018 after the 2018 season around the, I don't know when it was, but when he came out and said, I do not need to work on my jump shot. I don't need it. Once he said that, I'm like, I, I am already done with, with this guy. I had I no, don't remember him saying that. Well, it was something like that. I see. He, I heard that. He said like, Oh, I, I don't need to out. I, I will look it up. He said, I don't need to work on my jumper. And, and I was just like, what? You don't need to get better at basketball. So I'm like I said, I'm I'm going to leave him alone. One thing that really killed me, Tobias Harris, four points. Really, you score four four. What was it? outside of Embiid and and Seth Curry? Nobody really did anything, and it was just Doc Doc Rivers, Doc Doc Rivers, man. I already had a problem with you before this this game. I had a problem with you before this season. And to see you do what, what you did, I know Ethan and I talked about this before we started recording, and he said any coach would have, have, have done this. He took out the whole starting five, I believe, at one point in the third quarter, up 20. And then you blow the lead. I already don't like you. And you come out, you, and you, you, you do this shit? Like, come on, man, Stephen. I don't want to curse. I don't want you to edit up too, too much, but it's just like, I already don't like you, and you do this, like, and it's, I, his name isn't Doc Rivers anymore, it's, it's Glenn Rivers. Yes, yes, I remember he, I remember he said before, he said, oh, oh the only doctor is Dr. J, yes, I will, I will call yeah. you Glenn, Glenn, get it together, okay? And he, he lived up to that yesterday, he, he like, lived up to the name Glenn Rivers, not Doc Rivers, I will never ever compare that man to one of the greatest Philadelphia 76ers of all time. Like, like I, I said this earlier. I he the another reason I'm starting not to not to like Doc Rivers is because his overall coaching head coaching career is really 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 being held up by that 2008 ring. If he did not have that 2008 championship ring with the Boston Celtics, he would literally be Scott Brooks. He would literally be Scott Brooks. A lot of great talent, and you've done a whole bunch of nothing. I'm so sick of Doc Rivers. He gets on my nerves. And I I didn't like Philly before this. When they hired him, I didn't like them even more. And seeing them do what they did last night was the tip of the iceberg. If they lose this series to the Atlanta Hawks, I'm, I don't want to hear anything about Ben Simmons. I don't want to hear anything about Tobias Harris. I don't want to hear about Doc Glenn Rivers. I'm over them. I'm, I'm so – I'm not as mad as Ethan because I kind of enjoy it. But it's like you have to be kidding me, man. I spent my whole 
morning and afternoon listening to Philadelphia radio as self-torture of the likes of Anthony Gargano and Mike Missanelli just absolutely shredding this team to smithereens. I, I, I barely tipped the iceberg. They had five, six hours to do so, and they ripped this team apart as rightfully so. I, I still just can't process it. It's this might be, and this was mentioned earlier. This I would have to spend time ranking this, but in terms of greatest Philadelphia losses, this is up there. Is this Ev- everything? All four sports. The only other one I could think of that was that bad was the Kawhi shot, and. 2002 NFL playoffs where we blew it to, I believe the Buccaneers. Where does Rocky one rank in that? <laughs> uh, we'll say that's top 10 just cause it's a movie. So, I mean, it, I understand good coaching, you know, being a fan of the coach of the year. I don't, it's not like all docs fault. I don't think at a certain point, yeah, you know, if you go place to place and you do bad, you get fired, makes sense why. But then, you know, players have to be held accountable too. You yeah. know, it's it's not Joel Embiid's fault. He's the only one that knew how to score. And how is that Doc Rivers' fault? It's, 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 it's it, you ever heard, heard of the saying where like, if, well, I don't know, I, I don't know the, the exact saying, but it was just like, if, if problems just keep arising, you have to look like, damn, I'm the only person that's the common denominator in all these situations. At the, to, is it me? Like, am, am I the stupid one? So I feel like Doc Rivers at some point has to look in the mirror like, am, is it like he... <sighs> I have no words. I mean, he kind of took accountability and the press conference, but I mean, no words he could say will ever live up to how much of a disappointment that was. The worst part actually for me was that that morning I was like, Oh, my schedule's pretty clear. How about buy some tickets to the game? Holy shit. My so lucky. I didn't go. Let, I, if, I'm, if I'm correct, I think I saw a stat saying that in the fourth quarter, nobody outside of, Seth Curry and Joel Embiid scored a point. Nobody scored a point. Oh, there's so many statistics about this fourth quarter, these fourth quarters that have just been terrible. Between the big three, the last two fourth quarters where they blew the lead, only one basket has been made. Like, what the hell is up with that? I I, I just don't understand how you can do it two nights in a row, especially at home. I mean, we are known for winning at home, like one of the best home court records yes over a long period of time and now of all times you do this shit i mean we've blown leads before we blew a lead to golden state a couple years ago we were still pretty bad but like i mean this is about the the best roster you can assemble right now with the kind of money and players that you have and you have to go all in and this is the result it's awful it's like Outside of game game one, when Philly was down by a decent amount of points, game three and game five, I, I believe it was, or game, no, game four and game five, 
every single those two losses, it you know the whole question is like, oh, did this did this team win or did this team lose? Game four and game five, Philly just lost it. You had it, it was right there, and you just blew it. Like, yeah. I said this for game one. They're not hitting 23 pointers a game. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that's just a good shooting night. There's not much you can do about that. And they came back, which was good to see. I mean, obviously the, the margin was just too wide to yeah. begin with for them to really actually take back the lead. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just a total collapse in game four and five. Oh, of insane. Oh, oh, of 12 in the fourth quarter or in the second half in game four for Embiid. Well, he follows it up with a great performance in game Yeah, five. that's the worst part that I remember a lot of people were clowning on this guy for going over 12 in the second half. He had a great game, and it's just completely washed away from blowing a 23, 26, I don't know, too big of, too big of a number point lead. Yeah, Triple H really messed up this franchise. Maybe he's the problem, you know? Maybe they should have learned Shawn Michaels or something. I'm no, just saying. No, I saw a picture of him recently. He looks awful. Looks terrible. I mean, I don't, looking back at it, would the Heartbreak Kid been such a bad choice? Like, Triple H made this team forget how to play in the fourth quarter. Anyways, there are other teams that are still alive in the NBA. Brooklyn Nets kind of, you know, one night they want it, the other night they don't. Steve Nash doesn't know what he's doing out there. And I wish, I really wish... I had this platform in the beginning of the season because Steve Nash is like a, a bottom half of the league coach who is bailed out because he has like the best assistant ever and one of the greatest rosters ever assembled. But he's just a dummy in a quarter zip. Listen, Steve Nash was like a great player. He was a decent soccer analyst, but like he just doesn't know how to get the most which is crazy when you have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. He just does not know how to maximize this, this team's, like, potential efficiency. He just doesn't – his scheme is just D'Antoni Jr., and they just hold the ball longer than former D'Antoni teams. So it's going to see if they can make it to the next round. Well, okay, first of all, let me just say that I feel like your analysis – on getting this team to their full potential is really unfair because their big, big three, they've, what they played a total of what, like, what, not even 10 games together this whole season? I think the number seven. Yeah. So it's just like, you can't really fault him for that. Like, you can't, you can't fault him for his players getting hurt. Like, that's not on him. And it's just, you know, not, not only Harden going down in game one, but then Kyrie going down was at game three, game four. So it's just like you that's that's not really on on him. Like, yes, you can blame the overall scheme because you know, like like you said, you know, he's it's well first of all, it's his first year coaching. Like it's his first time doing this. So like obviously he's gonna lean on, you know, a guy who's done this for I don't know, at least the last 25 years and Mike D'Antoni. Like that's who he played for. That's who's who's his top assistant. So he's gonna, you know, learn under him. And I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel like your overall analysis on Steve Nash just really isn't fair. If they would have lost game five, there is no like 
oh, this Brooklyn team is impenetrable. If they would have lost game five and Kevin Durant didn't play 48 minutes, we would have been like, oh, you know, this is yet another disappointing super team. No, because Harden's playing at like 15% and Kyrie Irving's out. That's 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 not a fair assessment. And that's that, that's just that's just that's just so unfair. That's just so unfair. It's almost like blaming Patrick Mahomes for you know his performance in his past year Super Bowl when when his offensive line was just killed. Like that's not his fault. It happens. I see it. So I kind of relate this to Steve Kerr because it was hard to really judge how well of a coach he was when he had Kevin Durant and Steph Curry because you could kind of make the same excuse one of the best rosters ever built and how much does coaching really play? You, It's hard to tell. I've appreciated him so much more for what he's been able to do with the roster and the injuries that he's had to deal with and still be able to at least make the play in, which nobody expected. I just don't feel the same way with Steve Nash. I just – I feel like he just kind of puts things together and doesn't really make – whole lot of adjustments he just doesn't really seem that engaged i mean i mean i mean shoot they got the second seed in the east and i'm pretty sure they weren't that far away from that far behind philly plus with the amount of injuries that they've had to like i said their their whole big threes miss a lot of of the season you know due to injury and personal matter and then you had a guy like lamarcus aldridge just just up and retired because he had a heart problem or whatever that that situation was so it's I mean, how, how much key? I mean, yeah, yes, he has a lot of great players, but like they already haven't been there. So like he hasn't been able to coach at his full full potential yet. That's just that's just how it's been. It's that I I just don't think it's a true fair analysis that you know you guys are saying he's just this mid coach when you we really haven't seen him have his full roster available to him. But you could also make the argument that with a full roster it'll even be harder to tell because you're seeing Steve Kerr do these things with no Clay Thompson, not nearly the same kind of lineup they had before and, you know, still surprisingly win games that they shouldn't have won. And you're not really seeing that now. I mean, yeah, but they, they still won over 50 games. They still had the second best record in the Eastern conference. You act like they, they finished like, you know, I'm referring seventh. to strictly just the playoffs at this point. I mean, I mean, well, well, because isn't know, that isn't that what they waited for? Yes, but but once again, like I said, is the playoffs as as in 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 my opinion, it's just a matter of who can stay healthy for for the longest period period of time, and these players have just gotten injured smack dab in the middle second round with with Kyrie and Harden. Harden played a minute into game game one and Kyrie pretty much destroyed his ankle in game four. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, it's, he's, I'm, like I said, I don't know how good of a coach he truly is because this is, like I said, his first time. But I just, with your whole, you know, Jalen Hurst thing, how you can't give up, give up on him four games in, into his career. You can't really give up on Steve Kerr in his first year as, as a coach, we really don't know how good he, he truly is. I'm not giving up on him. I'm just saying that I don't think, like, they were so close. Well, they were, you know, playoffs with Kenny Atkinson two years ago and D'Angelo Russell and then Katie and Kyrie, and they snuck into the bubble. But I don't, I don't 
I don't think it's going to work out. I When this whole team plays, that'll kind of give you a better assessment of their talent. But I, I don't know. Like, Steve Kerr had less in Golden State his first year, and they still won it all. Because they had health. Yeah, but it's it's the NBA. It's the playoffs. You know that you're not going to be healthy. And this team, well, then I guess you could say that that says more about Sean Marks because the way that this team is built around them is not the best. Joe Harris is a top-tier shooter in the league. And then Jeff Green, you never know what you're going to get with him. But then other than that, you don't know who's going to provide any kind of support from a non-star. I mean, I mean, well, all right, just just look at it. Look at it overall, just from the start of the year. Obviously, they trade away a lot of their players like Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, et cetera, to go and get James Harden. James Harden's been a relatively healthy guy for his career. And then once he gets to Brooklyn, it's just like it's all downhill. Now you look at a guy like Kyrie Irving. Once again, we all know he's been hurt. Kevin Durant, we know he came off the Achilles, and you know he's had his fair share problems. And you had a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie towards ACL halfway, not even halfway um, through the year. Marcus Aldridge just had to retire, half, you know, pretty much towards the end of the year. So that's just how it is, man. It's, it's just a lot of injuries to a lot of key players which I don't feel like it's – I don't know. It's, they're, they're in a really weird place where they have a lot of talent and they're still winning, but they, I, they, they're just not at full, full strength and they're still winning. So I feel like you have to give it up to them as far as that, that aspect. I don't feel like you can just look at this from, you know, just a truly negative narrative. Who said that no team is ever 100% or no player is ever at 100% going into the playoffs. I feel like there's a player who said that. I feel like that's definitely a LeBron thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. And that, you know, you're seeing that now. I mean, so, you, even when James Harden plays, I mean, what is he really providing? Well, it, well it's, it's a difference between being – they always say it's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Like, like you know, if you have a sore ankle – I mean, you, you played 82 games plus plus the playoffs, plus the, you know, different practices and shooting rounds you've had throughout the whole year. That's just going to happen with just wear and tear on the body. But when you have an ankle injury, like a sprained ankle, like like Kyrie Irving, you have a, a strained hamstring or a pulled hamstring like a Harden, that's a totally different thing. That's – I don't really feel like that's that's even – like I said, I, I just don't, don't think it's fair. Game Only time will tell. Game seven in Barclays in a couple of days. Who comes out on top of that one? Sticky with my original prediction. Bucks and seven. I I'm sticking with with mine. I got to go with Brooklyn because you look at a guy like Chris Middleton's road. They showed up before the game. Uh, Jay Williams pointed out. You look at Chris Middleton's roads roads blitz. It's night and day. I mean, you just went off for, what, 38 points? I mean, how many nights can you really depend on Chris Middleton for 38 points? I mean, we all know Giannis is going to be Giannis, and we've seen Drew Holiday. He struggled throughout this whole series, so how much can you really depend on him? So, yes, Giannis is going to be Giannis, and you just got to really hope to contain him, but really outside of them, I don't really feel like there's anybody you have to worry about. So when you have one of, I mean, two of the, you know, the I guess top three guys struggling, on the road, I truly feel like Brooklyn has a really, especially being at home, they have a really good chance to come out of this series. For me, 
I did say I thought the Bucks would win six or seven. And I think this game is going to be won by either P.J. Tucker doing something that, you know, P.J. Tucker does. Him and KD have been going back and forth all series long. And he's not going to probably score a lot, but he's going to have some kind of impact, which they desperately needed. And then for Brooklyn, which Jeff Green are you going to get? You know, what Blake Griffin is going to show up? Is it going to be, you know, at the end of Detroit Blake Griffin, or is it going to be, you know, this Blake Griffin drinking those like really big milkshakes and dunking all over Barclays. So whoever, whichever one of the role starters shows up for the respective team, that's who's going to win. So, so let me ask, ask you guys this, because I know this has been a pretty big topic over the last 48 hours. Do any of you guys have an issue with Giannis the 2020 defensive player of, of the year, not guarding Kevin Durant as much as guys like Chris Middleton and PJ Tucker. Especially Absolutely. seeing, especially seeing what KD did in, in, in game five. I mean, he's just like, he's just like, you see him guarding, like I saw him in, in game six guarding Jeff, Jeff Green, like guys as guys that are <clears throat> on the perimeter, like you're a really good, Shot shot blocker. Like if if you're just there for the defensive rotations, that's fine. But like, you see Kevin Durant going off. Like you don't even want to attempt attempt to guard him. Like that's just a huge problem. And I just I don't know what's up with that. They have to change some, something if they have to have Giannis on him for for Game Seven because KD's been killing Chris Middleton. He's been killing Peter Tucker. He's been killing everybody. But Giannis isn't even really trying to guard him. So. I don't know what's what's up with that guy. Unless it's a an extreme size disparity, or you're just have zero versatility at all, like Rudy Gobert, you should always be guarding the best player if you're a, an extremely above average defensive player and, and a defensive player of the year award winner. There's no excuse for it, and it's clearly cost them, especially in Game Six or Game okay. Five. Excuse me, Kevin Durant just literally exploded, and I remember saying it to you guys. Why isn't Giannis guarding him? I mean, he's guarding Blake Griffin. Like, yeah. come on. Anybody else can handle that. That's not extremely hard to do. Yeah. There's no excuse. And if he doesn't do it, it's going to cost them. So hopefully somebody catches on and, you know, puts him on him the entire game. For me, it's kind of a catch-22 because if you get Giannis on KD on the defensive end, the – subpar offensive efficiency he's had this series you won't get KD is just going to gas out Giannis running around the three-point line going inside beating and banging in the paint so do you want Giannis to stop KD or do you want Giannis to be a bull and trying to shop on offense and for Mike Budenholzer that's a decision that he's going to have to make and ultimately live with but it's a, I, I wouldn't I would wait until later in the game you know what you're going to get with KD so if you can try to limit that with you know putting Milton on him or PJ Tucker kind of let him, you know, kill you. Cause you know, one way or another Durant's going to be the focal point. And then if it gets close late, kind of let Giannis do his thing and hope that that strategy works out. Yeah. I just, I just don't, I just don't understand how <clears throat> the defensive player of the year last year is guarding Jeff Green, Blake Griffin and, Joe Harris. I just don't understand it. It's, it's, it's blasphemy, in my opinion. 
I mean, you saw the result when Danny Green played Trey Young in the first half of game one. Just walked all over him. I mean, Danny Green was literally like trailing behind him in a race half the time. Like just you just let him go in front of him every single time. And then when Ben, you know, Doc made the in-game adjustment to put Ben on him and they were able to come back, they didn't win the game because the margin was just too big in the first half. But I mean, it was a good adjustment and you know, that's what you should do every time. The best defensive player should be guarding the best offensive player. Unless, like I already said, like it's a huge height disparity. And, you know, like obviously Giannis isn't going to guard Kyrie Irving if he's the best player on the floor at that time. Obviously, that just doesn't work. Or you're like Rudy Gobert and just you simply can't play defense outside of the paint. I mean, I mean, yeah. And it's, it's I mean, you just look at it. You act like, I mean, even though I said they've struggled on the road, we're not going to sit and say guys like Drew Holiday and Chris Whittleton can't, you know, run the offense. Like that's what they're there for. Drew Holiday is a point guard. He's there to run the offense. So, if you like, I mean, we're seeing PJ Tucker guarding KD. PJ Tucker's what six five, Kevin Durant seven seven feet tall. Like I know he might be stronger than than KD, but KD's a stick. So like obviously he's going to have the strength advantage. But when you you just shoot over him, I that's going to be easy, or that's just not not as you know not as hard as you know putting Giannis on him, who's pretty much the same height and and, and he's stronger. So I mean, all you have to do is put a hand up and that's, 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 that's your, your best chance. The series that I think everybody was most captivated by before and definitely should be now Utah, Los Angeles Clippers. Somehow the Clippers did it. I don't understand it. Everybody keeps, you know, having to apologize to Paul George every other day, which is really weird because it seems like everybody likes making fun of him more than praising him. But they are one game away from the Western Conference Finals, something that with Kawhi Leonard, I didn't think that they would even be able to do, let alone without him. So is this the Clippers series to lose? I think it really depends on how Mitchell plays. And I've kind of been pondering this question. Is Can Donovan Mitchell be the best player on a championship team? No. Yeah, I, I've i always seen him as just a volume scorer, and if you give him the ball, he's going to go out there and get the points, but he's going to do it in a really inefficient way. I mean, at the end of that game, he would literally just – he pulled up for two threes. One was an air ball, then one didn't hit the rim. It just doinked off the backboard. I mean, th- that's not a legitimate closer, I think. That's not a smart closer. I mean, you, you set up a play, you run the offense, and – whether you take the shot or not, it's a good shot at the bottom line. And neither of those were good. He didn't do anything. He just tried to play hero ball and he's not that he's not Kevin Durant. Like, you know, we've seen him do multiple times, just dribble and pull up like that works and that's questionable, but you know, it goes in. So who cares? He's just not that. And yeah, I wasn't really huge on you saw going into this playoffs. I mean, first seed, obviously, they did great, but I, somebody, whoever it was, depending on whoever made it out on the other side, was going to catch them. And, yeah, it's honestly coming back to them earlier than I thought. I thought, you know, they would at least be a good Western Conference contender in the Western Conference Finals contender, and they, they're just dropping it. 
So your point about Donovan Mitchell with this um <clears throat> with his shots at the end of the, the game, you, you brought up a great point. You said those are bad shots, but they went in. And so, you know, I guess he's kind of leaning on that. I remember Charles Barkley said after the Bucks game, he said, like, you have you have guys doing stupid things and it works. And it's just like that it doesn't take away from the fact that it was stupid. So it's and I know he has like a he is a bad I, honestly, I feel like the reason that game was even close to start off with is because they were literally hitting threes from everywhere in the first half. I think Boyan started off like six for six, and I think I think if looking at um at the stat line during the game, out of their first twenty five shots, twenty one of them were threes. So it's just like you, know, it's almost like your whole point with the um Atlanta Hawks in 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 game one. Can they shoot? Yes, but will they be able to shoot that well again? No. And as you saw in the second half, they really couldn't hit anything. So, and let me show some love to the Clippers. I did not think they were going to win. I literally put money that Paul George was not not even going to drop 30, which I thought was a guarantee. Turns out I was wrong and I lost money. That's fine. But them without Kawhi, like, I expect them to to just fold, and they stepped up. You guys like Reggie Jackson stepped up, Marcus Moore stepped up, and once again, Paul Paul George, he proved me wrong. And I don't truly feel like he he will lose his whole pandemic P, you know, narrative or nickname. No, he won't lose it, but it'll definitely help the argument if they win this series, especially without Kawhi. If he comes out in, you know, in tomorrow's game or in, in a Friday's game and ball and balls out, I think we might have to retire the the names from pandemic P to PG 13%. I mean it's you you just gotta you gotta I'm I'm I i do not want to crown him too early, but if he does does that again, then we might have to change this narrative on Paul George. And getting rid of Doc Doc Rivers stops too. I think the Jazz win tomorrow. I think the Jazz win Game Seven. I think the Jazz win the West. I don't know. They're gonna mess around and do it. Mm. And Chris Paul being out for COVID restrictions, whatever, and LeBron not ridiculous. So 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 I actually looked in into that. The difference between Paul George, not Paul George, between LeBron and Chris Paul, well, it's it's too, it's like, I don't want to go, go deep too deep down this rabbit hole, but it's just like Chris Paul's vaccinated and he tested positive. LeBron, if I'm correct, isn't vaccinated, but he didn't test positive. So it's like, you know, it's a really weird gray gray area, and let's be let's be real. They weren't suspending LeBron James during during the playoffs. That just wasn't going to happen. It's a lot of politics going on here. They weren't going to suspend him. I don't. Yeah, I'm not really... concerned. Obviously, if you're vaccinated, you should be fine. What what is he get second check Saturday and conference finals start Sunday? Uh, no. Probably. Monday or Tuesday, because no, there's a game it, seven. Even yeah, better. As, yeah, as, yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say, if there's a game seven on, the, the game seven would be on Sunday, so I think the earliest game one of the conference finals would be is 
on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. If they, I don't know how that works out, especially with the Eastern Conference going on. Yeah, even better. He he would likely be fine. Yeah. I don't really want to talk about the all rookie team, but I did just want to mention Jay Sean Tate made it. I can't even lie. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I've never heard of him. Man, you're sleeping. Who is that? Because I don't know either. He's good. He's on the Rockets, apparently. Yeah, that's just the only reason why you probably never heard of him. Yeah, that's, that's what I say. It's like that's like the whole Jeremy Grant thing from this past year. I was like twenty two or twenty three. Like Jesus Christ, who's, who else is going to take the shots? It's the Rockets. But yeah, Jay Sean Tate. I never ever. I was like, who? Apparently, he's not a bad ball player. I heard so. No, very good defensively. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we can all say that. Uh, Obi Toppin. Was a snub. I don't know. <laughs> Cole Anthony was a real snub, back. though. Who? Cole Anthony. Yeah, yeah, but it's probably like this whole, like the whole all NBA thing where they they do forwards, centers, guards. I don't know how. There were three guards on the. Were four? Wait, Halberton. I mean, Edwards is kind of a mix. Lamelo, and who am I missing? I, I I don't get I don't get this. It's it's the same thing with Embiid, and I could go on this forever, but we're running out of time. But I just think it's ridiculous how these positions sometimes apply and sometimes they don't. Like, just pick a side. That's life for you, though. So if you missed anything, we had a great interview yesterday with Ken Daniels. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. I went on a big rant about Spider Tech. Uh, we'll be back on our regular day on Tuesday. And Deontay Salim, if people don't know where to find us, where should they go? Uh, sportswave.net and at the Sportswave official on Instagram. I was also hoping you were going to say like Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, you know, all that stuff. But like I did put you on the spot, but, you know, at least you're able to get something out quick. At Wavelengths Pod on Instagram, Deontay's going to bounce around from here and like examine whoever needs them more than that i guess i don't know i guess we got like I'm, a custody thing going on i'm the podcast thought i know my role yeah uh if you missed it deontay and i along with wayne diesel were on the exam podcast this week ethan hartley probably be around there how'd you do on the ufc predictions i don't remember what you got three and two all right it's not bad i got the one title fight wrong i went one and one but i didn't write them down <laughs>